Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Suspense is compounded of mystery and suspicion and dangerous adventure. In this series are tales calculated to intrigue you, stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation and then withhold the solution in the last possible moment. We again hope to keep you in suspense. Hi. Don't you want to hear the workshop? Pretty good show. Oh, I feel like music, don't you? It's Hubert Allen, isn't it? Yeah. All right, leave it on. Put it louder, though, will you? Jim and Irene Westcott were the kind of people who seemed to strike that satisfactory average of income, endeavor, and respectability that is reached by the statistical reports and college alumni bulletins. They differed from their friends, their classmates, and their neighbors only in an interest they shared in serious music. They went to a great many concerts, although they seldom mentioned this to anyone, and they spent a good deal of time listening to music on the radio. Now, their radio was an old instrument, sensitive, unpredictable, and beyond repair. And when it faltered, Jim would strike at the side of the cabinet with his hand. Well, this sometimes helped. But one Sunday afternoon... Darling, hmm? the radio. Hmm? Oh. oh, Lord. Reversing the plug or something. But it won't do any good. It's a miracle it lasted this long. Let me try. That's not going to do any good, not. <laughs> the woman's touch. Oh, mm. Sit down, it'll. See, there it goes. It's so aggravating. And of course, it had to happen while they were playing with Schubert. Take it easy. Oh, it makes me mad. He knew this was going to happen, and he should have done something. I told you what the repairman said, honey. It would cost almost as much to fix it as to buy a new one. Darling, couldn't we get a new one? I don't know. 
We agreed to get along with this until we could get a good hi-fi with some FM. Please. Not going to be much fun without music. All right. All right, dear. I'll look around tomorrow and see what I can find. The next day, on Monday, when he came home from work, he told her that he'd got one. He refused to describe it and said that it would be a surprise for her when it came. The radio was delivered the following afternoon. And with the assistance of her maid and the handyman, Irene, yeah. uncrated. You hold this, Emma. Oh, yes. And brought it in the living room. Stop in the kitchen later. Oh, oh this sure is a heavy Not a very one. pretty cabinet. Oh, man, look at all the dials on it. I never could get the hang of that. It shouldn't be too difficult, I suppose. Volume, treble boost, bass boost, turn, short wave, and one, two, three, four. Oh, well, this must be the switch to turn it on. Yes. Plug it in now, will you, Emma? Oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> all right. Probably takes a minute to warm up. Now. Yes. She sat down to listen, feeling once again complete. The music came through clearly. The new instrument had a much purer tone, she thought, than the old one. Well, she decided that tone was most important, and she could conceal the ugly gumwood cabinet behind the sofa. But as soon as she'd made her peace with the radio, the interference began. Oh, dear. And they call this hi-fi. Nothing she did with the switches and dials dimmed the interference. As she sat down again, disappointed and bewildered, and tried to trace the flight of the melody. The elevator shaft in her building ran beside the living room wall, and it was the noise of the elevator that gave her a clue to the character of the static. The rattling of the elevator cables were reproduced in her loudspeaker, and realizing that the radio was sensitive to electrical currents of all sorts, she began to discern through the Mozart the various other sounds. Listening more carefully, she was able to distinguish doorbells, elevator bells, electric razors, and wearing mixers, picked up from the apartments that surrounded her. The powerful and ugly instrument with its mistaken sensitivity to discord was more than she could hope to master, so she turned the thing off. Hello? Hello, Irene. Did it get there? Oh, the radio, yes, dear. Oh, how do you like it? Well, it's fine, but... But what? Well, there's all kinds of sounds, noises coming through. What do you mean? Like static? Well, yes, but more like real noises. Huh? I think it's picking up all the electric things in the building. Bells, vacuums, telephones. Well, you better not fool with it until I get home. It probably needs a ground or something. All right. I think it's wonderful, dear. Much nicer than the old one. When it's clear, the music sounds beautiful. Oh, good. 
Well, I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. When Jim Westcott came home that night, he went to the radio confidently. Went to control. Oh, Bob, what? Who's it? Oh. Hello? Hello, pressure area, which developed over the southwest yesterday, is moving rapidly toward the north and east. With lower temperatures... Oh, what's the trouble? That's what I was telling you. He settled with a nod. Couldn't get rid of the noise. And he turned the radio off. What a heck with it, huh? I'll call the fellow who showed it to me in the morning. He's going to hear something from me. The following day, Irene had a luncheon date and did some shopping during the afternoon. It was late when she returned home and she didn't have a chance to turn on the radio, although the maid informed her that a man had come and fixed it. She busied herself with the children, seeing to their baths and bedtime. When Jim came home that night, he was tired and took a shower and changed his clothes. Then he joined Irene in the living room. He had just turned on the radio when the maid announced dinner, so he left it on, and he and Irene went to the table. I saw the sweetest dress this afternoon. Of course, I didn't buy well, it, but just I... as well. I mean, better go slow for a bit. Hard day, dear? Yeah. A rotten day. This does sound nice, doesn't it? Mm. Very nice. I haven't played Cassidy. I'll have to play the piano when I get home. But it's the only chance I have. I'm at the office all day. So am I. I wish you'd. Did you hear that? Yeah, it's probably a play. I don't think it is a play. Come on, where are you going? I want to see what that was. I'll try another stage. Hey, have you seen my garters? Button me up. I said, have you seen my garters? Just button me up and I'll find your garters. All right, all right. Is that a radio show? I don't know. Yeah, let me see. I wish you wouldn't leave apple cores in the ashtray. I hate the smell. The devil is this? Westcott's overheard that evening a monologue on salmon fishing in Canada, 
A bridge game, running comments on home movies, and a bitter family quarrel about an overdraft at the bank. They turned off the radio at midnight, went to bed, weak with laughter. Sometime in the night, their son began to call for a glass of water, and Irene got one and took it into his room. It was very early. From his window, all the lights in the neighborhood were extinguished. He went into the living room and turned on the radio. Are you all right, darling? Yes. I'm all right, I guess. But you know, Charlie, I don't feel like myself anymore. Sometimes only, oh, about 15 or 20 minutes in the week when I feel like myself. I don't like to go to another doctor. The doctor bills are so awful already, but I just don't feel like myself, Charlie. I just never feel like myself. children and husband had been carried away in the elevator, she went into the living room and tried the radio again. You are going to school this morning, my girl, and that's all there is to it. Look, we paid $800 to get you into that school, and you'll go if it kills you. You'd like me to do something like that, the kind of thing you've been doing. Huh? You think I don't know? You think I don't smell that perfume on you when you get home from work? Work? You think I haven't seen the lipstick on your handkerchief? You look in my pockets again, I'll break your arm. Thanks for a lousy breakfast and indigestion. I may see you tonight and I may not. Go on. Get out. Go on. Stay out all night. Maybe I will. of indigestion, love, abysmal vanity, faith, and despair. Her life was nearly as simple and sheltered as it appeared to be, and the forthright and sometimes brutal language that came from this loud speaker the morning there astonished and troubled her. She continued to listen until her maid came in, and then she turned the radio off quickly. Since this insight, she realized, was a pretty one. She had a luncheon date with a friend that day and didn't get home until after 2.30. For some reason, she felt strangely disturbed. Miss Cummings. No, she's out getting me some coffee, honey. My, what an efficient secretary. Coming along? No. You won't forget we're going out for dinner tonight. No, I won't forget. Oh, dear, I'm rather busy. Oh, I'm sorry, dear. That's all right. Oh, the, the funniest thing. What? 
when I went out for lunch, there were some people in the apartment elevator. It was the funniest thing. I kept Honey, wondering... will you tell me about it later? I haven't got time now. I'll, I'll see you about seven. one who hasn't white hair. And see if you can get rid of that liver paste before you pass those hot things. As the afternoon waned, the conversations increased in intensity. On her radio, she could hear the arrival of cocktail guests and the return of children and businessmen from their schools and offices. The voices swirled around her. Size diamond on the bathroom floor this morning. Oh. It must have fallen out of that bracelet Mrs. Dunstan was wearing last night. Let me see that. Here it is. We'll sell it. Take it down to the jeweler on Madison Avenue and sell it. Well, Mrs. Dunstan won't know the difference, and we could use a couple of hundred bucks out of it. No. How horrible. Oh, it's a lemon. Say the bells of St. Clemens. Hey, Dunstan, falling. Say the bells of St. Martin. When will you pay me? Say the bells at Del Bailey. <laughs> it's not a hat. It's not a hat. It's a lava pail. That's what he wanted for us. And he said it's not a hat. It's a lava pail. <laughs> talk to somebody, honey. Talk to somebody. If she catches you standing here not talking to anyone, she'll take us off her invitation list. And I love oh, these parties. I hate these two. I love them. The Westcott's were going out for dinner, and uh, when Jim came home, Irene was dressing. She seemed sad and vague, and he brought her a drink. They were dining with friends in the neighborhood, and they walked to where they were going. It was one of those splendid spring evenings that uh, <laughs> excite memory and desire. And the air that touched their hands and faces felt very soft. A Salvation Army band was on the corner play. They're really such nice people, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They have such nice faces. Actually, you're so much nicer than a lot of people we know. She took a bill out of her purse and walked over and dropped it into the tambourine. There was in her face when she returned to her husband a look of radiant melancholy that he was not familiar with. And her conduct at the dinner party seemed strange to him, too. She interrupted her hostess. I don't agree with you. I think you're absolutely wrong. Completely wrong. Stared at people across the table from her with an intensity for which she would have punished her children. that night until Jim had fallen asleep and then went into the living room and turned on the radio. She had a slight headache and didn't keep an appointment she had. 
At two o'clock, Jim called her from the office. Everything all right? Yes, I suppose so. Aren't you feeling well? Yeah, I've got a bit of a headache. Oh. But you find out about the car? No, I didn't. Well, I asked you to be sure to, honey. We won't get it until tomorrow now. Now, will you please call them right away and tell them I've got to have it by tomorrow? Yes. Irene, did you hear me? I said yes. What's the matter with you? I've got a headache. You've been listening to that radio all morning, haven't you? Uh, now, look, fun is fun, but you're running it into the ground, honey. It's not good for you. Now, please, keep the thing off, will you? All right. You promise? All right. Jim came home at about six that night. Emma, the maid, let him in, and he had taken off his hat and was taking off his coat when Irene ran into the hall. Look, it's Happy. I wanted to make oh, that no, happy. No, no, don't quarrel with me, please. Please. Oh, yeah, this has been quarreling all day. Everybody's quarreling. They're all worried about money. Mrs. Hutchinson's mother is dying in Florida, and they don't have enough money to send you to the mail clinic. And Mrs. Noble has heart trouble. Some woman is laying out of the superintendent. It's disgusting. But it makes you so miserable. No, 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 don't. No, life is too terrible. Too sorry to be too awful. But we've never been like that, have we, darling? Have we? I mean, we've always been good and decent and loving, haven't we? And we have two children, beautiful children. Our lives are good as are they, darling? We're happy, aren't we? We are. Of course, we're happy, darling. Of course. Now, now, look, I'll have the full radio fixed or taken away tomorrow. Come on. Come on, it's all right. It's all right. You, you, you love me, don't you? And we're not hypercritical or worried about money or dishonest, are we?
I, uh, I paid the bill for the radio today. $400. I just hope you get some enjoyment out of it. I'm sure I will, darling. $400 is a good deal more than I can afford. But I wanted to get something you'd enjoy. It's the last extravagance we'll be able to indulge ourselves in this year. Oh, of course. I understand. Fine, by the way, I... I noticed you hadn't paid your clothing bills yet. I saw them on the dressing table. Oh? I, uh, suppose I must have forgotten. Well, why did you tell me you'd paid them? Why did you lie to me? Well, it's just been not worrying, Jim. I'll be able to pay my bills out of this month's allowance. We were covered last month in that party we had. Well, you just got to learn to handle the money I give you a little more intelligently, eh? Yes, I will. I really will. I just got to understand that we won't have as much money this year as we had last, huh? I had a very sobering talk with Mitchell today. We weren't buying anything. We're spending all our time promoting new issues, and you know how long that takes. I'm not getting any younger, you know. I'm 37, and I haven't done as well as I hoped I'd do. I, I don't suppose things will get any better. Yes, we just got to start cutting down. That, that, start thinking of the children. But to be frank with you, I worry about money a great deal. I, I'm not at all sure of the future. No one is. I worked very hard to give you and the children a comfortable life, and I don't like to see all that energy wasted in fur coats, radios, and slip covers. Hey, Jim, please, they'll hear us. Who will hear us? Emma can't hear us. The radio. I'm sick to death of you. That radio can't hear us. Nobody can hear us. And what if they can hear us? Who cares? Why are you so holier than thou all of a sudden? But turned you overnight into a nice girl. You stole your mother's jewelry before they throw it in a will. She, she never gave you a cent for a cent of that money was intended for her. Not, not even when she needed it. Irene stood for a minute before the hideous radio disgraced and sickened. But she held her hand on the switch before she extinguished the music, hoping that the instrument might speak to her kindly, that she might get his squeamish nerves. And as she turned the dial, the voice on the radio was suave and noncommittal. Buffalo. Fire in a hospital near Buffalo for the care of blind children was put out early this morning. There were several injuries, but no fatalities. And that's the news. The temperature downtown is 64. Humidity, 90. And now an interlude of music. This is your narrator, the man in black, who conveys to you Columbia's invitation to spend this half hour in suspense with us again next Tuesday. The producer of these broadcasts is William Spear, with Ted Bliss, the director, Lud Gluskin, and Lucian Morrowick, conductor and composer, collaborated on tonight's suspense. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.